You guys didn't get videos on Saturday and Sunday. My apologies. I had family. I, Saturday, busy. I think I, don't, I think I did a video on Saturday, but Sunday, uh, family stuff going on, and we're out. Uh, I got other stuff going on the weekends. We're running two companies, so stay quite busy. Uh, before I start, man, I'm going to read a thing that just came in as I was hitting the live button from a guy. Uh, and thank you for writing into me, brother. I'm not going to blow up your spot. He goes, uh, I didn't read this yet. I just know it's something cool. Uh, hey, Dennis, I just wanted to share a recent arrest I had with you. I was sitting. Uh, in one of my usual spots when I observed a vehicle pass me, female driver, no one else in the car. She gave me uh, immediate indicators. Got PC to stop the car. We got probable cause to search. Le uh, led me to find paraphernalia and a few oxy pills. Search of her incident to arrest yielded a 421 various opioid pills that were in large pill bottle on her person. Quick thing that happened. She had a Bluetooth in her ear while I was doing roadside questioning. I didn't think any of it at first. When I came to find out, she was on the phone with someone who was being coached in her answers by the guy on the other end of the phone. Well, that's fucking cool, man. I went through your I went to your class years ago and have had a lot of success and good arrest. Thanks again, brother. And thank you for writing that into me. Wow, we learned something cool there. Don't let people talk on the phone. That's really that's really interesting, man. That's really cool. I've never heard of anybody doing that shit before. Yo, and thanks for writing me in. I'm sure you saw this video, brother. Uh, I'm not going to respond to you in text form, um, but you'll see the video. Thanks, man. If you were in this, give me a thumbs up, whatever it may be. Uh, answering questions this evening. If you can't, uh, you need clarification on a subject that I'm going to be discussing, just write in. I should be able to see it in the group. I'm watching. I should be able to see the comments that are coming in. I see everybody who's joining the group. Welcome, everybody, uh, all new members. Appreciate you being here. Street Cop Training, um, trying to give out as much content as possible on a daily basis to everybody to do this job better, if you're unfamiliar with it. We'll see everybody also in Atlantic City, March 7th, for the PBA Mini Convention. Where we're having our um, our cabana or whatever the fuck we rented and uh again brad gilmore will be giving out hjs and um you know maybe we'll get to something wild who knows uh just be careful how much liquor you try to theme because i'm a lightweight i usually really real heavyweight but now i'm a freaking lightweight anyway um let's see here's the questions first one was a text that came in from a friend of mine and i've done this video a hundred times the similar subject the difference between ras and pc and I'm going to give you to the nutshell. I'm not going to give you the, Wikip the Wikipedia answer or the textbook answer you got in the academy. I'm going to try to explain it to you as easily as possible. Here's the difference. Reasonable suspicion are the things that happen in a totality of the circumstances that lead a reasonable and prudent person to believe that something here is incorrect. And use an example that I use all the time. If you've heard it before, I'm sorry if I have to be repetitive. There are new members of the group. Guys are always like, hey, how do I build more reasonable suspicion? Ask more questions on your motor vehicle stop. Ask more questions, you'll build more reasonable suspicion. Don't be so quick to jump into, if you need more RAS, you feel like there's not enough reasonable articulable suspicion or reasonable suspicion on your stop, spend more time asking more questions. Be more descriptive in your questions. Build more uh, physiological responses to your questions and explain what they're doing during your video or in your report and build it up real good if you think you don't have enough or you're not really good at building RAS. Um, it's just the difference between a typical motor vehicle stop. When I say typical, I know there's no such thing as a typical motor vehicle stop. Could be, I get it. But I'm talking about a typical motor vehicle stop where you're stopping Joan doing 42 and a 25 on her way to church with the kids. And then your traffic enforcement on Main Street. La -di -da, and, um, you know, you're walking up to the car. There's no reasonable suspicion. It's just a transaction. Joan's handing you her driver's license, her perfect insurance card, the whole nine. The kids are 
like Joan's like, I'm sorry, I was going too fast. I, I realized that when I saw you, I looked down. We're we're almost at church now. The kids are eating Twinkies in the back. I don't think they're Twinkies. They're eating Hostess cupcakes in the back. Everything is hanky dory. There's nothing weird going on. That would be a motor vehicle stop without reasonable suspicion. This is the kind of motor vehicle stop where you're not allowed to prolong or delay the stop. So don't get it confused when you read this case law that oh we only have 12 minutes. Oh we only have 22 minutes. No, you don't. When you've developed reasonable suspicion of criminal activity, you can you have a lot of time. Remember, to hold somebody versus holding a car is another thing as well. And I'll go more into that. Um, you know, you're allowed to hold people for an extended period of time while you're waiting for a dog to come, while you're investigating. You are under no uh, orders or any kind of criminal uh, justice ruling that says you have 15 minutes to accomplish a task or 20 minutes or 22 minutes. If something's wrong, you can look into it. You're allowed to hold people. Uh, don't get confused. People read this, this fucking case law. It's you know you're you're mistaken. You're not reading it correctly. I promise you, you're not. And I get this one a lot. Guys are like, well, my coworkers think I have to know what's in the car before I ask for consent to search. How on God's green earth? On God's green earth, if you just take some common sense and say to yourself, like, what do you like? Have some psychic in the car? Do you, do you have an X-ray machine? Are you seeing an, an anomaly in the car? You're running. You're not going to know what's in the car. Marijuana is the only thing that smells. Sometimes cocaine smells if, you're, if you get a good nose for it, but you have to have a lot of it. Cocaine has a certain uh, smell to it as well. But I can smell it as I'm talking about it in my nose. Like I don't do cocaine, but I can smell it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, you have to, you can't predict what's in a car. The only way to know that something is wrong in a car is reasonable suspicion. And then asking for consent to search or calling for a canine unit. And it's different from probable cause, which will allow you to search immediately. Okay. So what does that, what, what does that mean? Let me give you an example. So here's reasonable suspicion. Again, sit stationary on a highway. You're watching traffic. Uh, the guy who I passed today, when I did a video earlier today. He saw me pass him. Uh, he wasn't paying attention. He was not doing interdiction work. I know he wasn't. He's was probably running a laser gun. Uh, that's why he was sitting the sideways the way he was to shoot the laser out the window. He definitely was not doing interdiction work because if he was, I would have been pulled over. I don't care if I was wearing a shirt. I would have pulled me over if I was wearing that shirt and doing the things that I did today. Because, again, I look at cars. Uh, I look into patrol cars when I pass. Then I'm like, oh, fuck, let me not look at this car. I'm like, oh, this guy isn't in the member of the group. I'm going to get pulled over and waste five fucking minutes. Um, but uh, this is what happens. If that guy was sitting stationary, I was driving on the left lane of the road that I was a two-lane highway driving on the left lane. As I came over the hill, that's when I spotted that marked patrol car. I... Knew to remain in my lane, and that's fine. I didn't switch over in case he was an interdiction guy. But if that car would have switched over now for no reason, not speeding, seeing the guy on the side of the road, the other marked police car on the side of the road, if I would have switched into my lane, that would be my first cue. Right? That's where your reasonable suspicion begins. What happened when they saw me in a marked patrol car? As I passed, was I doing like one of these, like a quick look over, like a quick glance, or like was I like really seeing if the guy had interest in my car? That's more reasonable suspicion, okay? That's more reasonable suspicion. As I passed, I was looking in my rear view because I was going a little fast. Nothing crazy. I know how to, I don't like getting pulled over. I, I know I got retired 10 and we got these things and shit like that. I just don't like getting pulled over. So I don't, I don't drive like an asshole. I think I pulled over once in the past year, which is pretty good for me because I was a new cop. I probably 35 times, 40 times a year. I was a fucking madman. Um, but, uh, when I passed him, I began to look at my rearview mirror to see if he was coming after me. I had concern because I'm like, I thought I looked at the car. I thought I gave it away that I was 
that I had concern. Um, so then, as I was looking in my rearview mirror, I started to swerve in my lane, and my left tire is actually the yellow line on the side of the road. That's all reasonable suspicion. Now, if that cop was doing interdiction work, he would follow me. He had enough PC because I was speeding. I was doing 14 over the speed limit. He could have pulled me over. And when he came to the car, you would notice a lot of things about my car. Maybe there was disclaimers. Maybe my body language was strange. The interview on the side of the road of where I was coming from, where I was going to, if it made sense, why it didn't make sense. When posing questions like, is there anything illegal in the car? Did I become increasingly more nervous? Are you reading body language and body behaviors? Did I look back at the car subconsciously telegraphing, yes, there is something in the car? Am I adamantly denying consent to search? Uh, do I seem like I have something to hide? Am I trying to be? There's so many different behaviors that people are going to have. Are they trying to be pleasing and trying to get on their way? And there's so many different behaviors people are going to, uh, categories people are going to fall into. Uh, but the better you get at this game of interviewing people on the side of the road, the better, better you'll know what reasonable suspicion is, how to build it up, and how to make it look good on camera. you got to focus on that. That's very different than pulling a car over and smelling marijuana where you don't have to go into that because you smell marijuana and it's going to be right to go right into the car. Or um, I think I had a question. Let me just go back a little bit. Uh, Keith, once you have PC by a canine, what is your opinion about letting the dog loose in the cab? Uh, Keith, I think a lot of – let me just finish my thought here. PC is very different. You have to build RES to get you to the point in New Jersey, and I, and I believe everywhere, not for consent search everywhere else, but definitely a call for canine across the country. I know that for a fact. You've got to build it up so you can show on camera or document your report that, look, this is not normal. This guy didn't know where he's coming from. There's a one-key car. Uh, the story he's telling doesn't make sense. He doesn't have receipts to, for the tolls. He doesn't know anything about where he's coming from, doesn't know whose car it is, uh, reactions before he before I showed up. Very extremely nervous when I'm talking to him. This is not typical or indicative of the way I was behaving towards him and him behaving back towards me. Um, so there's a lot of... there's. There's hundreds of things that can go on, grooming, grooming techniques and them getting so nervous. They start smoking things. There's all, so many things, guys, that you need to learn to understand to differentiate between a regular stop or a typical stop and a criminal motor vehicle stop. Right. Uh, so Keith's question, again, was once you have PC by a canine, what is your opinion on letting the dog loose in the cab? I would certainly keep uh, I've been told by canine guys in the past, search it. If you don't find anything, go bring the dog back out again. I don't think it's a bad idea. I would just listen to the opinion of your canine handler, what he thinks you should do and how good of a handler he is. Like, guess what? Most canine handlers are pretty good. Like, I haven't run into a canine handler that wasn't good with the dog. I've run into ones who didn't know their ass from their elbow about fucking, you know, case law and, uh, you know, kind of didn't know anything about police work, uh, you know, in the realm of interdiction. But they know that dog well. They know how to search cars. They take that shit very seriously. So pose the opinion. If there's any canine guys who want to comment on this, pose the opinion to your canine guys at the scene. That's what I've been told. I'll hook you up with a gold card. Don't worry. Thanks, Audrey. Appreciate it, man. Uh, but I do have my, uh, I still got one of these, bro. Still got, still got some tin in the pocket, bro. You know what I'm saying? So it's just my sister talking. All right. Um, Matt, you articulate all these behaviors of RES, uh, RS or RES in your report. Uh, Matt, it really depends, right? So if you're going to, if you're going to have to build to the point where you're going to call for, uh, ask for consent or call for a dog, I would really document all the things that happened up to that point. So this way you're building up the reasonable suspicion and you're looking really sharp to a defense attorney where they're not going to challenge you in court. Uh, I, a lot of people, I'm not making this stuff up. I haven't had anything challenged where we, we have one suppression hearing. We won that. Um, and they, we should actually should have lost that one, to be quite honest with you, because 
at that time, nine years ago or 10 years ago, I wasn't so versed with case law as I am today, or maybe even two years after that, or a year by the time we went to the suppression hearing on that. Um, so, but if you pull a car over and you get immediate PC, I would just go with your motor vehicle violation followed by the observation of uh, plain view or odor, whatever it may be. And you don't have to talk about all those reasonable suspicion things. You just need to know that you could effectuate the stop on the Title 39, or I'm sorry, the motor vehicle violation for every out of state. And then you're going right into PC. You don't got to go into the whole questioning thing and all that bullshit. All right. Uh, all right. Those, that's the last of the comments at this current junction. Next question. Let's see. Uh, does this search for intoxicants in state the Ireland stem to the passengers in the car? Uh, and it's Ireland, not Ireland. It's not the countries minus the demons, if anybody's looking for it. Uh, because in reality, they could hold the evidence of intoxication. A lot of questions on a anonymous caller, call ever identified citizen caller, or on scene caller, especially in regards to doing a pat-down search based on the call, robbing the tips. Okay. So, let me see what this Okay, that's going to be the last question for today that I'm going to do. Um, and the answer to this is, let's start with the first one. In New Jersey, when you have somebody who is arrested for a DWI, commonly known here as a 450 or a four and a half, once you do your SFSTs and the person is deemed to be intoxicated and placed under arrest, you are then subsequently allowed to go back and search the car to develop some probable cause where the intoxicants are in the vehicle, namely going to be the passenger compartment of the vehicle. Um, do I think it extends to passengers? Look, uh, this is an area that hasn't been touched upon. This is what I'm going to tell you to play it safe. There's no sense in trying to establish new case law unless we really have to. So if you're thinking that passengers in the car, maybe you have a, a, a DWI for an opioid offense. The guy's, you know, you got the guy comes out, he does the thing, he's got pinned out pupils on his face, track marks the whole nine. The guy's high as a kite of heroin. You're not smelling the odor of alcohol, but he's mumbling. Um, you know, uh, maybe if you're really concerned, my suggestion is we take back that state versus judge thing and the hybrid of a con uh, contacting canine and you to come sniff the car or asking those people for consent to search of their person when they get out or before they get out. What am I telling you? In state versus judge 1994, they said, hey, look, when a car smells like weed, everybody in a car can be searched because that weed could be on their person. Um, so then we translate into, well, if a canine unit indicates and they smell narcotics in the car, does that translate over because just because they can smell more drugs than, than we can? And my answer to that is yes. If your dog is indicating on a car and there's passengers in the car, I would certainly uh, advocate. And in my opinion, although there's no case on it, in my opinion, I would say that's the set falls right in line with state versus judge. Everybody else who's been doing this has been having success. The dog indicates passengers are searched. So if you think passengers have stuff, rather than trying to like establish new case law because the guy was high, we thought that he had, I think that's not going to fly in court, to be honest, now that I'm really playing it off my head. Uh, I would suggest either getting consent from the passengers or having a dog come and indicate on the car, which will give you the right to search people. And again, remember, this is a pat frisk for weapons. What's the standard for a pat frisk for weapons? Reasonable belief that somebody's armed and dangerous. A search for narcotics when you have probable cause is a search like you would incident to arrest. You're allowed to check people's pockets. I'm making this stuff up. You sound crazy, but I promise you, this is the right way to do things. Um, so that answers that question. Remember, when in doubt, ask consent, call for a canine, or get a warrant. Those are your three steps you should go into 
ask consent and stop being afraid to ask for consent. I just see it over and over again. Stop being afraid to ask for consent. Uh, last one is uh, anonymous caller versus identified citizen caller or, or on-scene caller, especially in regards to doing a pat-down search or based on the call corroborating the tips. Yeah, so um, I'm going to pass this one off. I've done a video on this before. An anonymous tipster who you don't have a phone number for and calling a man, a man with a gun, I, I think it's Florida v. JL, I think is the case. I'll put it up. You can read it. What happens is, in this case, is they get a call of, three males at a bus stop or, or a payphone, one having a gun. It was an anonymous tipster. The cops showed up, and uh, they automatically pat frisked everybody, found the gun on the one dude who they said had a gun, and the court said, uh, no, even the United States Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court hearing, the court said, no, you never took the time to try to corroborate that with the information you're given by an anonymous tipster. Now, very different than an in-person. Uh, I'm going to put all the cases up. You can read through them. But somebody came up to a police car and said, hey, that guy over there has a gun. That's considered very different in the eyes of the court as an unnamed citizen informant. Or even somebody who calls and gives their name and information would be more than just an anonymous tipster, maybe allowing you to hat frisk somebody for weapons. So just know that. Now, listen, let me advocate this. Um, I don't want anybody getting caught up on technicalities if they think somebody's armed and dangerous. Fuck it if the gun gets suppressed. As long as the agency's going to follow you, but you'll be alive. Okay? Um, so I'm not advocating that when to do path first when not to. If you feel like you got those those that weird sense going up your spine, you're fucking nervous. Like, you got to path for somebody because you're really concerned. Like, I'm not going to be the guy telling you not to do it. I'm telling you what it's got to look like for it to stick. Okay? And uh, I will add all these cases up here into this. I'm going to do for the last video. I never did, but I'll do it for this video. Guys, thank you very much. Um, I'll be coming live tomorrow again. Hopefully that, uh, that worked out. Thumbs up. Nick Nabre, what's up, man? How are you, brother? Uh, Keith, you're welcome, bro. If you guys need anything, let me know. Reach out. Brad Gilmore's class is now available. We, uh, day one, we have uh, 17 people signed up for that class. We're trying to get a move to a bigger room in Morris County. We have limited seating. We're trying to get a move to the auditorium to, to, um, to fill that class. We're at 17 already. So, boy, it's going up fast. Uh, Monmouth County, March, we're trying to get clarification. We're at 72 on that. I think the room holds 80, but I don't think he wanted us to book it past 65. So it'll be seven over. So uh, we will, uh, we're going to try to add a June class now from Monmouth County because the room is tight. It's a small class. I don't have an auditorium. Uh, anyway, hopefully it helped everybody out. Yeah, uh, Nico, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Phil, what's up, brother? Nice to hear from you. We'll see you guys later.